Well, if the next two years of American politics promises even more division, one group of politicians is trying to create a more civil, constructive environment. They're not trying to bury genuine political differences, not at all, but they do want to argue with more respect. Tammy Pfeiffer is a former Republican politician from Utah. She's teamed up with a member of the famously progressive Kennedy clan to create the Dignity Index. And Tammy joined me from Salt Lake City. So the Dignity Index is a scale from one to eight that we use to measure language or the type of speech that we use typically when we're in a situation where we are in disagreement with someone. And we look to see how we react to people with the language that we use. It could be a single person or a group of people, but what does our language look like when we are in these situations where we may disagree? Yeah, and so people, politicians, but not necessarily just politicians, I'm assuming other public figures, they're given a score. How are they scored? We pilot tested this during midterm elections in Utah, and we looked at the speech that was coming from politicians on their websites or their social media debates, and we picked sections of that speech, and we have a coding guide. You can get a real good flavor for what that guide looks like by just going to our website, which is dignityindex.us. We've got a lot of information there, but really enough for the regular person like you or me to look at it and say, oh, I think that person just mocked his opponent. I think that person just said, which is a level three, we're the good people and you're the bad people. Once you get the hang of it, it's pretty easy to apply. Give us an example of what you would consider dignified speech. Dignified speech is the top end of the scale. So from one to four is the contempt side and five to eight is the dignity side. When you get to a level five on the dignity side, you stop looking to blame someone. You stop looking to say, we're good and they're bad. They're causing all the problems. And it's like, you know what? Five is they have a right to be here too. I'm going to listen to the other side and their opinion. As you move up the scale though, it's not only am I going to listen to you, but I'm going to look for areas that we agree on so that we can solve problems together. Seven is I'm going to look for areas that we disagree on. I've already gone beyond looking for where we agree, and now I want to see where we disagree so I can understand how you came to that point of view. We call this a problem-solving tool because when you get in that mindset, that's when you're really able to solve problems. And then when you get up to an eight, which is I strive to be, I'm going to admit right now, I'll confess, it's very difficult when things get heated. But number eight is where you could see yourself a part of really any group. You don't hate people. You offer dignity to all. And you kind of give up this idea where I have to be right all the time. It's like, I don't have to be right. I just want the best solution to win. And I'm willing to work with anyone to get there. And that's the level eight. Tammy, I've got to say, though, if you're a politician and you get to level eight, super dignified, can we really ever have a true political contest? Because everyone would be falling over themselves to compliment their <laughs> opponent. I know it sounds great, well, but could we have a true political contest? Yeah, you raise a really good point. What we try to explain to people is it's not a be nice scale. One of our board advisory board members said it's not like a group hug or a kumbaya. It's like we want to have passionate, very passionate, animated discussions, but we feel like we can do that without mocking people and without calling them names. That's the difficulty, really. That's the challenge. 
I shouldn't say it's a difficulty. For some people, it's not. For me, it is. <laughs> For the average person, it's difficult. And the other point that you raise, Andrew, is that when you're in a political contest, we're hoping for fives, really a five or a six, because you're trying to showcase the difference between you and a candidate, the other candidate. So you want to show the things that you differ on. But when you get elected, once you're elected, you should be in the six and seven zone regularly, because that's how you solve problems. You cannot solve problems by hating the other side or demonizing the other side. It just does not get you anywhere. Yeah. Let's talk about the low scores, though. Because this is what's really troubled you. And I should point out, you yourself were an elected official, a city councillor. Then you were a very senior advisor to the governor of Utah. So you're no stranger to how politics has to work. What sort of language were you hearing in American politics that would appear sort of on the low scale, one to four? So... Right before COVID hit and during, of course, the first year of COVID 2020, that was just so difficult because what we saw was, and I was the education advisor, so I'm looking at schools closing, schools reopening. And what we saw was just a lot of blaming someone else. As I had told the author of the story, we were all pulling together for like three months and everyone was doing you know, great things and teachers were heroes. They went back to remote learning super quickly. And then all of a sudden, people's patience wore out and they started blaming each other instead of blaming COVID. We didn't have a common enemy. We were each other's enemy. So there was a lot of blaming. There was a lot of like a level four is when we mock people or we attack the other side because of their commitments. We feel like they don't care or they're lazy. Teachers are lazy. I heard that. Or parents don't care if teachers die. I heard that you know, from both sides in the education realm. And then as we moved into masking or not masking, we heard a lot of this, not just obviously in Utah or education, but across the country. And it was, we're the good people and they're the bad people. My side is responsible for all of the good things that happen. And your side is responsible for all the bad things. And that's the language that we heard a lot. And we still do, honestly. Mm-hmm. Tammy, you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. Now, I know you don't talk a lot about your faith, but it did compel me to ask if there's something in Mormon culture that encourages civility, because I have to say, uh, whether people agree or disagree with Mormon theology, it's very hard to find an uncivil, impolite, rude Mormon. It's just not something that I've ever encountered. Well, I'm glad you haven't. That's good to hear. I am a a very devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and have been a lifelong member of the church. And I work with two very devout Catholics. And we have these similar tenets of our faith, which are, we believe that we're all God's children and we're all brothers and sisters. Andrew, you are my brother. And so to have that foundation where you feel like we all belong because we are all part of the human family. And beyond that, you know, I feel like we are spiritual brothers and sisters. And so to have that and see the way that we treat each other is just really hard to swallow. And we know there must be a better way because I can't look at someone else and say, I hate you. You don't belong. It's like, actually, <laughs> you're my brother. Yeah. And I need to find a way to get along. 
Yeah. I mean, I have to say, a friend of mine who was a, uh, a Democratic Party strategist told me about 10 years ago when Mitt Romney was running for president, he said one of the reasons it was easy to defeat Mitt Romney was that... Um, it was very hard to get him to hit back. He's, um, <laughs> you, you know, he didn't like to be aggressive. Right. And this goes back to the point that you raised earlier. And it's, we have differences of opinion. Thank goodness we have differences of opinion. I was having this conversation earlier today. The diversity in our country and in our world is a beautiful thing. And we believe that the best solutions only come from having diverse voices at the table and having all of those opinions at the table. If we're all alike and we, we shut out people that we disagree with, we come up with pretty lame solutions, honestly. You know, we've got to have those diverse voices at the table. So we believe that we can be passionate and hold to our own values and principles and still have these discussions. And that's what we're trying to get at with the Dignity Index is how do you do that? Yeah. One of the the case studies, though, that came up that is difficult in a way to wrestle with, and it does concern the question of character in politics. How do you raise legitimate concerns about the character of a political aspirant without being undignified? Because character does matter as much as, as policy in some respects, doesn't it? It absolutely matters. And we grappled with this a little bit during the pilot, the demonstration pilot. And that is, what if someone has taken some action that we believe or that you believe really has hurt the country? How do you call them out on that? How do you hold someone accountable without saying, well, they're evil and that's why they've ruined the country? And what we experimented with, the language to explain this to people anyway, was you point to the actions that someone has taken. So I'm not going to condemn you, but your actions actually had this effect. You did this. This was the effect of your actions on our country. And that's not good for the country. And I can do that without name calling and without saying that you had ulterior motives. Maybe they did. But it's our place or my place to say, I'm going to hold you accountable. And here's how. Here's what you did. And here's how it affected the country. And here's why I'm different. And this is what I would have done differently. How serious, Tammy, has the lack of dignity uh, become in public life? Did I read in this story that today in the United States, people consider the lack of dignity in politics even more important than critical things like health care? That was in the story. And if you look at it, though, it makes sense because we have all of these problems, health care, immigration, abortion, you've got the economy, inflation. We can't solve those problems because we can't talk to each other. So that rises to the top. If we could speak to each other in a way that allowed us to solve problems, then we just start ticking down the list. It's like, here's this problem. Great. I'm going to get a group together. We're going to have this conversation where I want to hear you. I want to learn from you. I want to see why you disagree with me. And we can solve that problem. We firmly believe we can solve these tough problems, but yeah. only if we can stop demonizing each other and come to the table and treat each other with respect, but especially with dignity. I know there's no simple solution to this, but it's fascinating to read that when you turn off the internet, aggression even violence goes down. Is this the fault mm -hmm. of the internet? Is this the fault of social media? 
I think social media, the internet has just been a way to really exacerbate voices, to magnify those voices that often have the toxic content or, and I'm sorry, I keep using this phrase, but we're really trying to demonize the other side. In politics, we demonize the other side so we can raise money. You know, we demonize the other side in media so that it's clickbait. So I've got to get someone to click on this headline. So it's going to look a lot different than the story. And it's going to look like I'm blaming someone else. And I just think it magnifies or it really exacerbates the problem. I don't think it's social media's problem, but it certainly hasn't helped. Just finally, Tammy, I know you live in Utah, which is a state that is somewhat less plagued by these problems of incivility and uh, political aggression. Have you, though, had any blowback because your great partner in this effort is Tim Shriver? You, as you say, are, uh, are from a conservative Republican background. Tim Shriver, part of the, the liberal Kennedy clan. Has anyone attacked you for this partnership? Well, it's interesting, at least in our demonstration pilot, or project, we had the people that latched onto this quickly were the conservative Republicans in the state. My former boss, Governor Herbert, he loved this idea. He said, this is what we need. And I learned a lot of this mindset actually from him. And then we quickly had members of the Democrat Party sign on, high profile Democrats in our state. Every now and then on social media, I saw a post yesterday and someone said, you're just trying to stifle conservative voices. But then we've heard the same, a similar concern on the other side. It's like, oh, you just want to make everybody get along and be nice to each other. That's what the Democrats want from us. And so we have had a little bit of that, but I'll have to tell you, it's been a very small percentage of the feedback that we've gotten, actually. It's been overwhelming to see the amount of people who have embraced this for their own family, for their school, for their civic organization. And people are honestly coming out of the woodwork saying, I want to apply this to my group. Yeah. Well, there is a lovely sort of example or history of this, as you well know, in your own state, Senator Orrin Hatch, who was a, is a very, very conservative Republican, but he has, legend has it, the most beautiful friendship with the late Senator Ted Kennedy. He did, and that's it is legendary. It is legendary because it was so unusual, and they passed some very very important legislation. There was an article in Deseret Magazine, Deseret.com, last month about that relationship. And it quoted uh, Orrin Hatch as saying, I ran so that I could undo all these things Ted Kennedy had done. He said, that was what I was in for, (laughs) which I did not know. And I had met Senator Hatch numerous times. But then they started to work together and they worked across the aisle. It was a beautiful friendship. They could not be more different politically. And yet they had some of the most striking legislation, significant legislation ever to pass. Yeah. I will sneak in one more question, and it is this, Tammy. Um, in your private life, you're a chorister. Uh, you were with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir for many years. Is there something in the way a choir works, the harmony, the beauty <laughs> and the harmony? I'm serious about this that actually gives you some inspiration for this, for your work in politics. I only chuckle because I could do a whole program for (laughs) you on the lessons that I learned in the choir about singing and getting along. And our conductor will often say that you need to listen louder than you sing. 
And it doesn't make sense at first until you're in a large choir and, and you're eager and you start belting out because I made the choir and I'm really good and I'm going to start singing. And then you realize, actually, actually, Tammy, you are part of a larger group, a larger organization, and we always have to listen louder than we sing. And there's the lessons of when the choir sings in unison, it's powerful. But when we break into harmony and the different parts come out, it's gorgeous. And there's sometimes like I was an alto and the altos would have these beautiful lines where we would be in dissonance with another part. So you're maybe one step away instead of a typical third away from another part. And you lean into that dissonance because you're producing something that in the end resolves and is so beautiful. You can tell I'm getting really animated about it now, but you can call me for another program. I'll give you all the lessons learned in the choir. Tammy, I hope we will uh, talk again because uh, I suspect there's going to be some interest in a similar project in Australia. Tammy Pfeiffer, she's a former Republican politician from Utah. She's also one of the co-creators of something called the Dignity Index, which aims to end hostility in politics. Tammy, thank you for being on the Religion and Ethics Report. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. Thank you. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.